The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Ken, new assignment. Hmm. Write a book, include a game, call it Schmarbles. <laughs> you got it. I need this to happen. Okay. <laughs> you got I it. actually call it Hungry, Hungry Schmarbles. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast, episode number 190. Today, we're doing a little King Killer wrap-up, etc. We'll get to the etc. in just a moment. Uh, but first, I am your host, Craig Hanks, and over there, he's peevier than a poltergeist and half as fun to have around the house. It's Ken Johnson. At least I'm not nearly headless. Sort of. All right. Uh, <laughs> if he's old and busted, then literally everyone else in the world is the new hotness. It's Kyle Lemon. I am the new hotness. We've gone through this several times. <laughs> I just thought of anybody, you would appreciate the deep cut from the 90s. Yes. Uh, and he's as even keeled as a well-ballasted ship. And I'm going to sink him in the harbor, too. It's Ryan Bruckman. I invite you to eat hemp and shit rope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a little preview of another series you've got coming up. <laughs> so let's see. Timestamp. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'll just go ahead and bleep that. Although I will say, heads up, I, I'll, I'll do this at the beginning of our first Gentleman Bastard uh, episode, which should come up in two weeks. But when that episode does come up, just by nature of the novel that we're discussing, you may want to not play it in the car with your kids. I don't know where our mouths will go with it, but you've been warned. Ryan will probably say shit rope. At least once. <laughs> you guys. And, 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 and timestamp. I have to bleep these. <laughs> Which rope or shit? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you guys so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Uh, okay, so a little housekeeping before, oh man, I, my, <laughs> beware the groove, groove, beware. I'm so thrown off. Uh, okay, so housekeeping, please support the podcast at patreon.com slash legendarium. Join the conversation at thelegendarium.reddit.com. Follow us on Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter. I did all that without even looking at my notes. Uh, but that's it. That's all the housekeeping. So, what are we doing today? Like I said, we're doing a bit of King Killer wrap up, a little discussion about you know fan theories and and that sort of thing. Uh, maybe a little talk about what we are doing next, um, and then I'm hoping to get into a little slash a lot of uh, discussion on the response to you know waiting for book three, Patrick Rothfuss, and all that stuff. So if you are looking forward to any of that stuff, I um i'll go ahead yeah i guess i'll go ahead and make the commitment now i will timestamp all these so if you if there's something you're more interested in hearing then just check out the description for this episode and there should be a timestamp there just skip to that and uh and listen to what's good anyway uh yeah oh man that's a loud noise i'm hoping no nobody can hear that we're recording this kind of later at night it's uh Hot as donkey in here, so I've got the window open. Timestamp that. Timestamp it, and uh, <laughs> and we're 
And we're coming off a, uh, a state holiday where people like to light off fireworks, yeah, fireworks all night so, long. Anyway, uh, if you hear crickets, it's just because we're boring. So uh, today, like I said, we're doing King Killer Wrap Up. Let's start with that. And uh, I, I want to start with a few of the Reddit comments we got. I, I threw some of these out there. All right, I threw this out there and we got some of these back. Uh, what are your favorite fan theories? Well, most of what we got back, I feel like we already talked about uh, pretty well on previous episodes, especially the last one. So if we already talked about it, I'll, I'll try to kind of skip over it so that we don't really bore everyone else to tears. Uh, but here's one from our old friend, Bomb Tom Badil. I like the theory that he's a liar and a con man. Speaking of both. Uh, most of the stories he told so far are lies or embellishments, and he's nowhere near as powerful as he leads us to believe. Denna might show up and set the story straight. Not all complete lies, but he exaggerates quite a bit. So, I mean, really, this just gets into our discussion in the first couple of episodes about the un- the unreliable narrator mm. uh, yeah. phenomenon or potential phenomenon. It Does it go past any of that for you guys? Do you have any thoughts on this is all a complete fabrication or near complete fabrication i'm not inclined to believe that it's complete fabrication and i really hope it isn't because i think that would be a major letdown to the series as a whole it, wouldn't that it, be kind of like uh it was all a dream yeah like, he was he was in the shower and jr wasn't really shot or whatever <laughs> there and or, there's, there's someone for our older i was gonna say right there, there there we really go back but see i was gonna it, go to the wizard of oz it, <laughs> it feels like it would almost cheapen and this doesn't take into account if say it's a dream or or say he's embellishing the whole thing and it didn't actually happen it it doesn't take into account how Rothfuss explains all of that but it it feels like it cheapens the the first two two and a half whatever you know how many novels before he explains that It, it feels like everything that we have just have just experienced is a fraud basically because you know I'm I'm a liar it feels like a cheap payoff. Yeah, it would just be a little bit sad. Yeah, I also don't if think... If we'd invested so much emotion in it. Right. It doesn't match up with the framing story to have it all be a lie. Because, because Chronicler is on the hunt for this guy, right? Right. He, well, he's on the hunt for this guy, and these stories have already gone out, so there's... It's not necessarily him just telling this. There's there's some of that already existing. There have been but plenty of people also, that have come in and said, oh, this guy is legend. But there's also the fact that when the rubber hits the road and something's had to happen, the way he has responded has reflected moments in the story. Trying to light the liquor on fire using like sympathy, using sympathy, sympathy yeah. and things like that. Or that's, fighting the scrail. Well, fighting or, the scrail, yeah. Or having one of the fae as a companion. It, mm-hmm. To me, that's... If you if you want to say that's all part of the con, who is he conning? Chronicler? Like, Chronicler, he was there for the scrail and he's there hearing his story, but... What is the purpose of conning him? Like, we, there's nothing right. been established as to why. What is the payoff for doing this? Right. There's right. no. Uh, he if he has been playing a long con, then he's done a terrible job of, you know, getting the payout because mm, he's right. still just an innkeeper who's hanging out. The long con and has then, to have some kind of payoff, and it would be I'm now a legend. Well, you already were previously. Like it. It doesn't. It doesn't work for me as as a storytelling piece. That rings is a very hollow payoff. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's one from Pirate's Rum. The university is built on top of the ruins of one of the seven cities that Lanray destroyed. Uh, 
I think we probably kinda, yeah. did, did we is this kind of going back to the idea of the four plate door being the last lack- the lack- door? Yeah, I think we touched mm-hmm. on it last time a little bit about how it was probably it could have been one of the cities that Lanway destroyed, but it could be part of the lands that the uh, the Lackless family owned. And so that's how the that door becomes a Lackless door. Right. Right. And so, right. yeah, I mean, makes sense. Okay. The world's only so big. I'm, I'm personally on board with that theory that that the door underneath the university is the lackless door that we keep hearing about. I think that one's, it's, I think that's got a lot of weight to it. The reason why I, I would be inclined to believe that the, the university is built on that is when Ari takes Quoth into the underbelly, into all those, into this city that exists underneath everything there. And she starts naming things based on kind of what they are. I have a feeling that that's actually a little more tied to the ancient story of, of Landry in the city that makes it, Mm-hmm. So that it's more than just, oh, this place has a little river, so we're going to call it, you know, this. That right. there's more to it than that. And I think Ari stays there because she is possibly a descendant of that group. Like they say that she's supposed to be Princess Ariel. Uh, Ariel, Ariel. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like that, that that could be the reason she won't come out of there and leave there is because that is her kingdom to rule. Right. Could be. Or she's there as like a guard for the four plate door. Yeah. Of some kind. Uh, okay, um, here's one that I like. Now, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, Spook underscore says, my favorite is that both locked his true name or self into the thrice-locked chest. Eloden seemed to freak out when Quoth asked him about people changing their names. This is why he's no longer a badass magician. Yeah, we've kind of, so we've gone through that. The reason he did it was to hide from the Chandrian or the Cathay. He changed his core self to hide from those who can track him. Uh, so I like this, but I, I like thinking of it in conjunction with uh, something that came in literally like right under the wire. We Right before we hit the record button, Soup Nation 11 got uh, a Soup comment Nation. in um, and mentioned that the Cathay uh, is actually Salitos. Salitos. How do I say that? Salitos. So uh, one of the Cathay is one of the Chandrian. Okay. Salitos is a Chandrian, right? Um, so anyway, I I thought that was kind of an interesting theory that uh, that the Cathay could be wrapped up with the Chandrian. I don't know that there's a whole lot to support it, but I thought, hey, at least we're at yeah. least we're swinging for the fences on that one. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if that, if I buy that the Cathay is actually is actually like the embodiment in Celitos or whatever, or if he's had some sort of influence on that member of the Chandrian, similar. To how he's had an influence on Quoth. Maybe, maybe Celitos, Celitos. I don't know. <laughs> uh, went to the Cathay and like ate one of them butterflies or something like that. Could be, uh, you know, yeah. ate of the fruit of the Cathay tree, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, the butterfly so... beguiled me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, don't forget. Remind me to shout out so somebody at the end of the episode. Hey. Uh, hey. Shout out somebody at the end of the episode. I hate you. I'm on record. You're the worst. Uh, okay. <laughs> you got two. In By one the way, episode, I, I do want to I do want to bring this up as well because I got a little grief. I think we all got a little bit of grief for this one on the last episode, but uh, uh, also from Soup Nation Eleven, he kind of takes me to task. I assume he. Sorry, I just whatever. I'm a sexist pig. Uh, another theory is that Brayden 
Craig, this is the noble dude who plays chess, a.k.a. Tack, is actually Dennis' patron. Well, first of all, screw you. <laughs> Sometimes people forget some names. It's okay. Um, it, it happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing is like, uh, it, it's always a danger to be in the position that we're in because in some cases, like like if we read The Lord of the Rings again, you know, and it definitely was this way when we did it the first time, I will be as invested, if not more so, than anybody who is listening. Uh, ditto for Ryan and the Sanderson stuff. You're like all in on Cosmere stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's just not been the case with Kingkiller Chronicles. And again, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we didn't like it. That's not at all what I'm saying. Just that we're not as invested in it as a lot of people are. So I forget the names sometimes. I'm sorry. Sorry. Please forgive me. No. And honestly, um, it doesn't matter. It's a game. The game is just a delivery system to get those two together talking. That's it. Oh. It doesn't matter tack, what the name you mean? is. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It's got some symbolism behind it. Oh, it's neat. I mean, but ultimately, you, you call it Schmarbles or something, and it doesn't matter. It's it's the game is there. Ken, to... new assignment. Hmm. Write a book, include a game, call it Schmarbles. <laughs> you got it. I need this to happen. Okay. You got <laughs> Actually it. Actually call it Hungry Hungry Schmarbles. Hungry Hungry Schmarbles. <laughs> I heard a rumor once in the 90s that uh, Steven Tyler won a bet by writing a song entirely revolving around the color pink. Um, so this is your version of that bet. Schmarbles. Schmarbles. Uh, all right. So I'm trying to think. I, I think that's it for the fan theories. Unless you guys had any others from Reddit that you wanted to pull out. But I figured we'd talked about most of the other stuff. The only one I liked, I, I actually saw, I, I brought it up a couple episodes ago about what if, just a, just a wild thought, not necessarily theory, but what if Simmons somehow ended up being the king that got killed? And I, I thought... Did you bring that up last I, time? I mm-hmm. brought it up, it was a couple episodes ago or something, okay. and, mm-hmm. and I saw somebody on Reddit actually mention that, and I thought, oh, hey, somebody else had that idea, but I had it first, so... <laughs> So I, I I don't I would be interested to see how that could happen, but it feels like such a stretch that I can't imagine it would. Um, I I'm still on of the belief that Ambrose is somehow the king that is killed, even if he's not necessarily a king. He's certainly closer in line than somebody like Simon. Yeah. yeah, I think that the general accepted theory on that is that it's Ambrose's dad that is the king that is killed, and then Ambrose becomes the king, and that's why Quoth is so anti the sitting king right now <laughs> right. yeah and there's a huge sense. there's a huge uh ransom on his head and he tries to tell what was the farm boy's name to not go join the king's army and all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. so right now in the frame story there's a war between the king and the penitent king and the penitent king is supposedly the mayor uh mayor alberon right I saw so that yeah, too. Okay. that's the kind of thing yeah. the, the, oh sorry go ahead Oh, I was going to switch to a different fan theory. But... Oh, I, I was going to say the only reason the Simmons thing is is even remotely interesting is because it pulls emotional weight. You know, if, mm-hmm. if Kavoth has to kill his friend or accidentally kills his friend or in a, you know somehow leads to it indirectly, but I it's a it's a wild stretch by far. Anyway, what's yours? Uh, two actually. One, the one that I'm actually really uh, a fan of, but I can't really wrap it all up is that Kavoth is actually Taberlin the. Tabling the Great. Oh, right. We yeah. talked about that a little bit. The thing that leads me to believe that is that in every story of Tabling the Great, you have coin, key, and candle. It's always mentioned. And three things that Ari actually gifts to Quoth, because they have their little gift exchange every mm-hmm. time. 
is he gets By a the coin. Way, make that hand motion again when you make the. Oh, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, he gets a coin, a key, and a candle from her. Um, and I think that that's not by accident. Okay. I think, I think that's a I thing. Agree. I don't He's, know how that happens. I, I think there's a theory that when Quoth finally opens the uh, the door of stone or whatever, it leads him to merging the two worlds, so the Fey world and, and the real world. Because mm-hmm. right now, they're, the only way to get from the Fey world to the real world is through the full moon or whatever it was. Yeah. And so the idea is that behind the stone door is Jax, the guy that the story is about that, that captured part of the moon's name and locked it away. And he's the one that, like, remember Felurian was telling the story about him, mm-hmm. about how he basically created the Fae or like, I can't remember Something exactly, how, whatever it was. I'm, I'm yeah. butchering this. So go to Reddit and butcher me for this. I don't care. <laughs> uh, anyways, he's there. And when Quoth goes through the, through the doors of stone, those two realms be, are merged and that somehow that messes with, the way that time is passed. That's the only way that it could work, right? Is if uh, yeah. something, 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 time, something. Because and the, the because, stories of Tabulin are so old, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And the closest thing we have to supporting that and what we've currently read is the fact that Felurian has never heard of Tabulin the Great. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? So I, I don't know. I think it'd be, I think it'd be really cool and really interesting if there's some sort of, uh, Time, I, I hate time travel, but I think that the idea of these two realms colliding and making stories become different tellings um, would yeah, okay. be really interesting. Because that's a, the common theme throughout this story so far is that the constant retelling, retelling of stories that changes details and it changes people's names and what they have and the embellishments that happen. So I like I, the blurring of lines there. There's a part of me that kind of thinks that's a little... like. I could see it being done well. It's a little on the nose with Wheel of Time and with like, it's the new dragon. The Taberlin Reborn. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Taberlin Reborn type thing. And I'm like, <laughs> nice. not really, I'd be okay with it, but I wouldn't, I don't think, I think that there would be a, some stronger choices he could make. Yeah, and I, yeah. I would prefer, if this were the case, that it wouldn't be the like reborn of, like the reincarnation of this character. But again, that somehow with the, merging of these two realms these stories have been spread across time and it's all the same person mm-hmm. so quoth when when they're telling when quoth even hears stories of tablet and the great they're actually his own stories anyways yeah that'd be bananas uh okay so did were there any other of our theories that we wanted to go over ryan you just jumped up well there's a few that i i'm trying to remember how much we've talked about already um one, and I'm sure we've talked about this one a little bit, is how he opens the 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 door, because that's that's really what we're waiting for in book three. Like, Doors of Stone is the title. We know that's what this culmination is going to be. Is how is he going to open the doors, and what happens when he does? Um, that's all the book three discussion. Uh, the other one I want to talk about that we haven't hit as much is how many Amir have we met? Mm, two that we know, like that we know of. How many have we met, and how many have that we, we don't, don't know, of? know of? Yeah, we don't know of any. But right now, I mean, I've I've been going through different threads and checking the people's discussions, and they've got right now Master Lauren mm-hmm. as an Amir, right? Master Elodin potentially as an Amir, mm-hmm. Scarpy as an Amir, and one that I really liked. Someone threw him out there it was um, it was like a Viari, I think. Yeah, Viari, 
uh, he's the one who brings books to Master Lauren in the first book. Um, he's they talk about him having scars on his hands and things like that, which might sim- oh. signal. Oh, like, so he's one mm-hmm. of the guys that goes out and gets books and brings them mm-hmm. back. Okay, I'd yeah. also throw out uh, Puppet Puzzle, uh, and then yeah, yeah, Puppet, uh, Abenthi. Hmm. I would. I I'm would, waiting for Abenthi to come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm waiting for him to come back, but I doubt that he's. Um, you know the the most powerful thing in the world in hiding. Yeah, he. I think that I think that he is because we got him so early on. Um, it's possible, and because he hasn't be been my... back. Is he our Gandalf? Yeah, I'm. No, I mean I don't think he's necessarily our Gandalf, but he might be our Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we call him that in one of Aben, episode? Abenthi Kenobi, yeah. Abenthi Kenobi. Yeah. But I, and the the main reason why I'm curious as to how many Amir we've met so far is because for having this incredible storyline of the Amir and the Chandrian and the Sith and these other stories going on, we have spent so little time with it that unless we inter- the characters have been introduced to us in secret before in other ways, I don't know that I'm going to care when we meet the Amir for the it, first time. It, it would be very Deathly Hallows yeah. in that case, right? No, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, and I want to care. I want to care about what's supposedly the big bad. Like somebody else, it was somebody else's theory. I, I think it was on our our post that somebody commented on it. But the idea that the Chandrian, the Chandrian are, are the, the good, good guys. guys, and the Amir are the bad guys. And you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit in the previous episode. Which I, I that could would get be behind. Interesting. I could get behind that, except that it seems like all of the Chandrians. Um, signs or indicators are, are destructive in nature and so i i don't know that the necessarily but are they and they're I, also are they i don't know corruption is just reclaiming to the earth or whatever mm-hmm. wild theory chronicler's a chandrian <laughs> just throwing it out there Why not? when it comes to also, three people's heads just exploded and they started throwing it to them <laughs> this is happening think about it think about it he's hunting for quoth <laughs> uh also, I don't know if you guys knew this. Bella, totally a dark friend. Totally. <laughs> totally. So you just, you never know. You never know what's going to happen with these stories. Um, oh, shoot. What was I just going to say? Was I going to interrupt somebody? Were you about to say? We're talking about you might have been good guys. But, but I, there's a whole element of supreme good and supreme evil in here that I think is getting off to the side it's and it's the story that i'm kind of more interested in right now um, the the bigger battle between good and evil and all that yeah stuff. and yeah f- forgive this comparison but like the tv series supernatural my wife loves supernatural sure yeah Man. that's where i went it's the battle of heaven like it's the battle <laughs> of heaven and hell it's these great huge battles going on between these worlds and, and you've got these mortals who are stuck in the middle of it kind of becoming linchpins of of the battle um and so the story of the Amir and the Chandrian battling each other and the Sith and the Cathay, like those stories to me are big pieces. And I want, I want Kvoth to be the piece that I'm following through them into that storyline. But we're running out of runway for that to be a good, <laughs> a good selling story. Or is that the story we're getting after we tell Kvoth? Dude, it's okay. We've got, we can fasten the Furious Six this thing and the runway can just <laughs> well, go on. And go on and go on. Oh my on. gosh, that was one of my favorite. That is, I that, I'm not even seriously. being facetious when I say that is one of my favorite all time scenes. Just just for sheer the 45 minute runway scene. Yeah, just, just for the sheer absurdity of that. It's the it's the I derailed that Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're totally fine. The balls out daring 
of the editing on Fast and the Furious <laughs> 6 is a sight to behold. It it's, truly is. I, I had to look up the... If that runway was real, it would have to be 26 miles long. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that goes into now, what Rothfuss was saying about this is actually just the prologue yes, to the real story. That's it's right. because oh, he's running out of runway. So he's, he's just he's like, officially we'll on, on. He's officially on record as saying that this trilogy might just be one three-episode prologue. So, okay. If we go down this road, that's why I haven't brought it up yet. We're yeah, we're we're getting it's off of mile of fan th- That's right. We're if we're getting onto the twenty-six mile road. We're getting <laughs> off of fa- fan theory stuff. So if there are any more, speak now. Chronicler is a Chandrian. You just said that. <laughs> I just I want to double down on it. Oh Chronicler is Bella. <laughs> there we go. Big crossover. This is a big. This whole series is just a crossover with other fantasy stories. Um. Uh, I got I got no more. I don't okay, know. that's fine. That's fine. I was actually just looking up how to uh, uh, mark Do a podcast. Hide three, how, hide how three to, bodies. How to... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, I just realized I could sense some swear words coming, um, and I was I literally I was googling like how to um, mark during a recording in this software that I'm using because I don't want to just holy write it down. rope. That would be great. <laughs> uh okay so if we're getting into the rothfuss stuff now yeah so he has said there uh he was at some q a or whatever it was at emerald con emerald city comic con -Con, yeah and he says haha jokes on all of you i just tricked you into basically reading a million word prologue he says i am an author who has tricked you into reading a trilogy that is a million word prologue so good job yeah thank you I'm pretty good at this. So so he says that, and I want to get your guys' impressions on this. Um, if if this is true, it's kind of one of those big if true things. If it's... <laughs> don't, don't say it. Don't okay, say it. Go, go. If it's true, are you okay with that? How dumb was he to say that right now? Etc. Thoughts, feelings, go. Yes, if. I'm okay with it, if. The however many books that are coming out, yeah. he does them like if they're already good to go. As far as like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna publish Doors of Stone. This actually really was a prologue, and I've already got book one, two, three of the larger series ready to go. And so I would be okay with that. I'm not okay with it if he's like, it's really just a prologue, and then Doors of Stone comes out, and then it's eight more years. Because I think <laughs> that if you're going to do that you need to be able to bring somebody into the new story quickly. Or if, if that's not the case, I'm, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I'm fine with waiting as long as I need to wait for book three. If book three wraps it up, if book three is just an introduction to something else, then I'm probably going to bail. Now here's the word that I have. The problem though, is you can't say something like this, that you have a, that the trilogy is just a million word prologue. If, we're still another four years away from the third part of that prologue. You know, I mean, get, if you're going to say that, then we better be pretty darn close to a, at least a release date on Doors of Stone, if not the actual book. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I think too. Ryan, you okay with it? Uh, yeah, it does feel like an afterthought. To be honest, it doesn't feel like this was. You didn't trick us into this. Someone came to you and said, "We'll give you more money if you write more of these," and you said, "It's a prologue." It it feels like that, and I'm okay with that. 
that's how you make money as an author. Like, sure, write good things and right. make people want to read your stuff. So I'm okay with that. If if it is a prologue, the the next story better be pretty big, and you can't. I don't know that you can start a fresh story from it. No, I, it I, needs to be. I think we need to follow both. Oh, we, you think so? I no, do. but, but oh, you know what you can do is Unless you can you kill him off. You you can stop the chronicle stuff, and you can start your story in the frame story. No more back or flashback or storytelling. Now let's see what for three books we've been saying. Well, I wonder what led to this. I wonder what led to that. Now let's see what what then, we've been led to. Well, the I, effects of this it, story have to have been what caused our action in book one of the yeah, next series. Exactly. What I would prefer, yeah, I would prefer if this prologue quotation marks uh, is actually the end of the story, and whatever the new series is, you get like way earlier on. You get Landray stuff. You get. Tabula and the Great it's Stuff. It's an old old republic. Old republic. So yeah. you wanna, give me that. This is a prologue. So don't I mean time if, sequentially I would to a say, prequel. Well, <laughs> no. I wouldn't. I mean, I would say at that point you don't call it a prologue. I think for this tweet or whatever, I think it's kind of a little tongue in cheek. Like, oh, this is just basically introduction into uh, what's the world called? I don't know. Uh, King Killer Chronicles world. Timurant. <laughs> Timurant. That's Timurant. Yeah, it's yeah, the introduction into Timurant. So now Oof. it's kind of what we've talked about with fantasy and, At least we and don't being, have another tech situation being on our hands. familiar with the with the tropes and being familiar with the way that fantasy is. But here's your here's your reader's introduction into Timurant, and now you can start a completely new story, way back in time, and give me all of that. But at least I'm familiar with the world and have an, at least an idea of some things that are going mm-hmm. to happen. I know what sympathy this is. is a very, I know what... This is a very similar argument right now that, to what's going on in the Star Wars community, right? That's where I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't know that I want them to, ro- I don't want a Rogue One this. No, no I would but say you would have no, to go all the way to Old Republic. Old yeah, Republic, Republic style. style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which <laughs> this is, by the way, now the nerdiest podcast of all time. Yes, we have made it. just want you to know that. Um, uh, 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 okay, sorry, Ken, go. I was going to say, if um, news articles and, and the stories that have come out are to be believed, um, which is not to say they, they shouldn't be believed, but any um, TV series that is in pre-production or talks or production or, or however close it is, is supposedly going to be the, you know, this takes place thousands of years in the past before the King Killer Chronicles type stuff. So maybe that's where we get our Old Republic you know, old Timurant stuff. Give, you can you can give me as many spinoffs as you want, as long as it's far enough away from the regular the, from the main the story. Skywalker saga. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about the reaction to book three and people getting so excited about it. This is a subject that I have been biting my tongue on for a long, long time. I have a lot to say on it. If you follow us on Twitter, you already got some of my thoughts there. Um, I have, you know, for somebody who is so cold and dead inside, I have a lot of emotions on this. So I want to kick it to you guys first because I'll have plenty to say, but I want to make sure you guys get your say too. Ryan, the fan reaction on waiting for book three has been... um, Mixed. I, I don't want to say mixed. I want to say, unless by mixed you mean like... I was like, going to say animated. The emotional response is mixed. It is like everyone is on the I want the next book train. Sure. But, but how you deal with that 
is mixed. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Because, and I wouldn't split it 50 50. Um, what would you say? Like, what, what percentage would you give this? Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say it's a 30 70. Of uh, 30% of people are being reasonable and wonderful? No, I switch it the other way around. <laughs> oh, okay. the, unre- the unreasonables are the most vocal about it. Sure. And the ones who, and those who have dropped off saying, I'm not even going to bother reading, like, you will. But you, Yeah, that, that's a flat lie. <laughs> I'm not even going to go see Solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you you will. Um, and I'm not, and neither is, I don't think that either is right or wrong because it's an emotional response to your thing, to how you've invested in this book and things and the way that the author has interacted with you on a, however you want to call it, it's not on a personal level, but as his right, fan base. Right, right. Um, I do think that, I think this has been, I think it's been mishandled and that's why the, the fan outcry for this is become a talking point is because of, it was poorly handled by, I think the author. I could get on board with yes. that. Yes. And what I would say to that is I have no doubt at this point, I'm, I'm no expert on the subject, uh, but you know, you watch a few interviews, you read a few interviews, that sort of thing. Um, and I would say he knows it too. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah. is not unaware of <laughs> what people are thinking right now, but his personality type seems to be, at least his public personality type seems to be, more along the lines of hey if you're gonna shove i'm gonna shove you back right it's uh, you know you're shoving me isn't a time for me to be introspective and wonder why you're shoving me no i'm gonna shove you back um and that of course it you know it's it's kind of the whole punching down thing it it, uh, creates a lot of animosity with some of his fan base toward him uh, which is too bad on all counts Anyway, yes. <laughs> so here's what I, said. I, right. I'm wondering. I, I've been thinking a lot about why is it? Why are fans so upset? There are a couple of things. First of all, um, he did something foolish when uh, the first book came out, and that was to say, oh, I've already written all three. They'll come out one year at a time, right? Or once every year. Um, of course, that turned out not to be true, but that but that he, he idea, set the stage. He, he said yeah, people's he released that idea into the wild, and he can't get it back. And so right. yes, he so he set those expectations. Uh, so that was a misstep, but I think it could have been you know clawed back somehow and and you know reset people's expectations. Uh, but it doesn't explain. So once that promise is broken. Um, people now have a chance to reset their own expectations. Um, and I think people have kind of missed the opportunity to do that. And and they've gotten really angry as a result of not resetting their expectations. So what I, I, so I set this out on Twitter. Um, this was, by the way, the first multi-tweet thread that I've ever done. Wow. I, lived, I, I wrote this out and I was like, I was going to put it on Reddit. Uh, but then I was like, oh, you know, I've seen people do these tweet threads. I wonder how they do that. So I tried it. Anyway, that's all. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of the 509 people that follow us on Twitter, yeah, holla, um, <laughs> then you've already seen this. But if you're not... Um, all 60 who are real. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. The Russian bots got a real earful about <laughs> Rothfuss one day. Okay, so we we still talk 
about books or, or even to some degree we still think about books as movies and vice versa so that a novel is 300 pages give or take and that's about you know as much as you can fit into an adaptation on the screen in two hours and so we we kind of think of them as in a way interchangeable art forms um and sometimes i think that's still appropriate but the fantasy community i think needs to understand that these books that we love so much the the rothfuss the sanderson the lynch martin whatever these are not movies these are tv shows um they're tv shows but they're not just tv shows they're tv shows of today meaning bingeable tv shows because that's the age we live in now um so when people get really invested in a series like a song of ice and fire king killer chronicles or stormlight or whatever they they expect it to be bingeable just like their favorite tv shows but it's not this isn't a show it's not a collective effort this is the effort of a single author a single individual now they have people around them helping them out and i don't want to downplay that but ultimately the creativity has to largely come out of one person's mind for this stuff to work at least as the uh, as it's currently set up anyway so I can say to it, it, we expect them to give us one to four million words to consume on our timetable. And when I say it out loud like that, like one to four million words, that's insane. Like, hey, w yeah. just write all four million words now and let me read them. That, of course, that's insane. And we don't actually say that, but that is kind of the mindset that people are coming into it with. Where's Where's the rest of my story? I need the rest of my story. And that's not the way that this creative process works, right? How often do you hear people say, oh, I'll start to read it when it's finished? Oh, man, it drives me oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, and that's, is that the bingeable mindset? Oh, absolutely. Right? I, don't, I don't want to read an unfinished piece because I, I want to know how it ends. Like, Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely the binge mindset. I, I think part of um, Rothfuss's problem with this in particular is he kind of brought it on himself because of the, well, you know, the timetable that he didn't rein back, but also because he keeps, I don't want to say this uh, derisively, but he, he keeps egging on his fans basically, but he'll, he'll bring it up again and say, oh, it's coming out. And then he'll get mad when people ask him questions. He'll get defensive when people ask him questions about when is it coming out? I want to be, oh, well, I just wait be fair. And see, you I want to be fair on this one and say that I haven't seen that in a while. So I, it has been a bit now, but it's, it's still once in a while at a con at the same. And that's, con, and that's why I one, say, but, and that's why I say, I think he's aware of it because he's not doing the same things he used to. Right. Um, no. So I, I don't, I don't see that same like F you attitude. I'll finish it when I finish it. You know, it's more of a quiet. I'll finish it when I finish right. it and which you'll is, get your book and you know, which is why I hope it's soon, but um, anyway, so but. here's, Hey, the thing about it is, I I guess I understand once this kind of clicked into place in my head, I could understand why people operate this way, why they think this way, because we've basically been trained to think this way about our media by watching TV shows our whole lives. Um, and so I get it, but we just need to break out of that mindset and understand that the written medium is not the same thing as the visual medium and we can't expect the same things out of it uh 
I agree. It, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, then what you need to start expecting is that an author will not release anything for a decade at a time because they'll write everything that they need to write and then send it to their publisher and have all three books at once in a 10-year period or something right. like that. So you're going to be on this timetable whether you like it or not, like in terms of waiting for the material. The question is, do you want to get some of it going through or do you really want to wait for all of it at once? And now that I've, now that I've um, so thoroughly uh, spoken out against comparing literature and film, let me just go ahead and do that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it reminds me of um, when The Lord of the Rings was being filmed and, you know, there's this big announcement made and uh, New Line Cinema is funding three giant movies. You know, these are the biggest movies that ever been shot and there's three of them at the same time. And the industry was basically shitting its pants. Uh, time stamp. Time <laughs> because, because of the unbelievable risk that that represented. If the first movie tanked, that would have tanked their entire investment. They would have lost hundreds of millions of dollars on those movies. Anyway, but it's the same thing. No no publisher is going to want to do that, and no author is going to be financially able to do that. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they can't take a, a decade off from having income to you know, just sit down and bang out four million words. Unless they've already established themselves. I mean... Uh, there's like maybe a handful of authors who... But if they've already established themselves, then people are going to be bitching and whining exactly. all the time about where's my next book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if Sanderson said, look, I'm going to write the rest of Stormlight, all 10 books, but it's going to come out 15 years from You're, now. You'll get it in 2033. Yeah. And then all the 80-year-old fans are going to be like, well, what gives? <laughs> yeah. It's it's not going to fly in this medium. It's just, it's not. And it's not worth it to me. Like there is plenty to binge in life. You can wait on your books. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and there, there are different books. I mean, go pick up something else, you know? Mm -hmm. I, and I want to talk about the, the emotional, um, if I may use the word, investiture that people <laughs> give these books, that they put into these books. Investment, I guess. Fine. There's the real word. The emotional investment that people give these things is, I think, sometimes a little overblown. And that's coming from the, you know, the panel of four... Uh, How many thousands of dollars have we put into building a studio to just talk about this? <laughs> That's, but the thing is, like, it, it's something I love. It's something I want to do every weekend. I, I love to read these books. I love to talk about them. I love to podcast about them. But there's... it's. How many times did we say this during the Lord of the Rings series where this this stuff, as much as we like to think of it or talk about it this way, it ain't scripture. It's not... This isn't something that's meant to fill that that metaphysical void in your heart right and, and but I, I feel like some people are giving it that place and so it makes it harder to just relax about the next thing that comes out does that make sense um yeah and, i think especially from a from an author's standpoint so especially with rothfuss is he's been touted i mean name of the wind was the first thing he ever wrote and it was touted as like this fantasy phenomenon masterpiece. masterpiece. Um, hey, God's last book was the Bible. What has he done since then? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only, I mean, he's in a really tough spot. He's put himself there, but also the fans have just ramped that up because the only way that 
he gets out of this is if book three is perfect, absolutely perfect. And there's no way that book three can be perfect for everyone reading it. Right. Yeah. And so it just, if I were him, you know, you just make it as good as you want it to be. It's honestly for the fans. It's no longer about the fans. It's about Rothfuss telling his story the way that he wants it told. And he's a self-admitted perfectionist. Um, he will self-edit things. I think he said something around, there's like 450 drafts of The Name of the Wind. Um, so he yeah. will. He is very meticulous. He'll go over line mm-hmm. by line, um, word by word, making sure every little thing is perfect in his mind. But what Rothfuss's perfect is may not be your perfect. And well, the editor and the publisher have already said, this is good. We can we can go. We can do this. And he said, mm-hmm. and he's the one who said, no. No, it's not good enough. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's at the point where, yes, we as fans have invested a lot into this. Uh, there is that kind of unspoken contract that I'm going to pay money to read your story. And if the story is not finished, you know, I will continue to support you if you keep giving me good stories. But Rothfuss is so beyond that now that it's really just about him and his craft and his story. And that's okay. And we're kind of lucky enough to be able to peer through the window when that's done. But I guess I land in the camp of sit down, shut up, and you'll, <laughs> you'll get the book when it's done. And it'll be the book that it, that it was intended to be because we fall victim to things that get rushed out because of publication pressure. Um, and then you get terrible stories. Of one word, mocking Jay. Oh. <laughs> everybody here read all three of those. Yeah, hot uh, garbage. Oh my goodness so gracious! Bad. Every I think I've even mentioned this on the podcast before. It's like every time I read Mocking Jay, I can I I can feel the editor or the publisher over my shoulder saying, "Finish it, finish it, finish it." <laughs> you know, oh man, what a disaster! Maybe yeah. we should read those sometime. Uh, oh, that would be. Fun. Fun to, you know. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so here's another thing that I want to bring up, and this is something that comes from World Singer 4880, who uh, got this into Reddit now as we were recording. So great timing. Um, But World Singer brings up uh, the great, big, beautiful podcast episode 182. So I'm, I'm plugging that without ever having listened to it. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but I guess around the, uh, with 10 minutes left, uh, Pat talks about undiagnosed depression, reasons why a writer in general would have legit reasons for not wanting to write, um, including, um, he mentions that his, I guess in September last year, he said that his dad was dying. Like, you know, stuff happens where, you know, life overtakes your art mm-hmm. and you're not able to finish it. And these are things that he probably shouldn't have to tell us about as fans. Now he did. And so we have that information, but he shouldn't have to. Um, and we should have a little bit of um, empathy or sympathy, at least, I guess, for the guy who wrote about sympathy. So, um, so let me ask you this. Yeah. As a writer. Sure. Because you sit down at a desk and you write out scripts every day. Oh boy. Oh, do I? How uh, how easy is it to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what it's a I and I'm not just being flippant about this. It's a lot easier 
when my boss isn't coming by and asking where are those three scripts mm -hmm. right yeah. yep where are they how come they're not on my desk yet um so that makes my job so much harder that's a great point i hadn't even thought of it that way also how 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 many times have you written a script or a po like a blog post or an article or whatever because you've done that before too and once or twice it's not the way you want it from top to bottom and you just but have you to submit it, it anyway. anyway well not necessarily that but just the 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 task that it is to put words on a page and make them coherent and make them uh good right so Craig and I work in marketing and a lot of the times we're working on posts or scripts or articles or whatever it is tops. I think the, I think the longest article I've ever written is probably 6,000 words. That's a long and, but, article. But I, that, is, yeah. that is a monster. It's article. a monster article, but I would say day to day, it's more like a thousand words. Oh, right? by the way, tell everybody what the subject of your six thousand word article was home security systems oh wow. my good lord oh my god so but my point being we work on articles that are a thousand words long even just putting something on page that is that long how difficult is that sometimes yeah i mean yeah some days it just flows right out and it's fine most days it's a chore and so we're talking about doing that with a cohesive story with the with the surgical precision uh, of, of Rothfuss prose of Rothfuss prose on a million word scale, right? It's I a mean, thing. it's a thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That's something that isn't given enough. Um, shrift. Can I just use shrift without putting short in front of it? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll just whelm you all with that but, one. But to your point, on top of that, it's a lot easier when your boss isn't saying, "Hey." you got those scripts for me or whatever. So imagine Rothfuss getting that from the fan base all day, every day. Also his publisher, also his editor, you know, also himself. I mean, that's some of the hardest stuff that for me to get over is me knowing I've got this deadline and this isn't where I want it to be. Granted, mine's on a much less, you know, much smaller scale than what Rothfuss is doing, but I'll submit an article and, it's not as good as I want it to be, but I had to get it in and, and there we go. But then it doesn't perform as well as it should. That's where I was going to go. I mean, that's what she said. Even that's what she said. It doesn't perform as well. It, on a, on a thanks smaller. For, thanks for explaining it, Ken. Yeah, yeah. You're Jokes are always funnier with an explanation. <laughs> what the hell was that? It was the weirdest laugh I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so anyway. On a get back on a smaller scale, even that it's a lot easier to get your work done when you have ninety seconds of you know sports to finish, and it's two minutes until you're on the air. You get that done pretty quick, whether it's good or not. And yeah, I realized after how many years has it been since the Wise Man's Fear came out? Uh, seven. Seven now. So after seven years of of writing and rewriting, and how many different uh, you know uh, copies you know and revisions it's time to it's time to put a deadline on that it's time for the authors or the, the editors to say hey okay you've got until this point get it done and if it's not your best get it done because getting it not yeah. done is going to lose you more than you know putting out crappy copy in my yeah, opinion i mean i so 
I when I started reading for this uh, read through for the podcast, I started out very much in the um, screw Patrick Rothfuss camp. I was like, no, this guy, you know, broken promises and he's jerk to his fans and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was, it, as I started to research it, because I knew we wanted to talk about this subject, and I'm really glad we saved it for an extra podcast because this is like a half hour now at least yeah. I was talking about this. Um, as I started researching it, I couldn't even find that stuff that I knew I had seen you know, three years, five years previously. I couldn't even find the old blog posts and tweets and whatnot where he had been so, um, you know, uh, antagonistic to his fans. Um, But what I did find was a much mellower Patrick Rothfuss. And uh, and so that it started to change my thinking on him. But then I also kept seeing all the fan reactions and, and that, uh, that gave me pause a bit. Um, one other thing, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back a little bit to the um, the idea of your your own personal emotional investment in a story. It's I I may not have expressed myself perfectly before. I feel however you want, I guess, um, to a certain degree, but where it gets really tricky is when you throw the internet into the mix and you are part of a community and that community starts feeding off itself, you know, with all the emotions running through it. And then you get somebody like Patrick Rothfuss who's getting notes like this, who, like I said, he knows what's going on. He knows what people are saying. Um, I, I'll sidetrack for just a moment and mention that we got an amazing email this week. Um, and the person who sent this email, you know who you are. And yes, we are talking about you. That was an awesome email. And I loved getting it. Essentially what the email said, it was it was thanking us for doing the podcast. And this is kind of a bright spot in my week, et cetera, et cetera. And this person talked about, um, you know, having um, depression issues and and the podcast being a bright spot for them. And that was fantastic. This person also mentioned that, oh, by the way, it's... It's just that, like, and, and this is not the only note. We've gotten several notes like this where, but but the people who email us with this will say things like, it's not that, it's not that yours, your podcast is the only thing that keeps me going. Obviously, that would be ridiculous, but it's nice to have something to look forward to on a Monday or a Tuesday morning. Um, and those emails are wonderful. And the reason why is when I juxtapose them against what Rothfuss says he gets from his fans. He mentioned, I want to say this was back in 2011, 2012. He did an interview where he talked about getting a note from somebody who said, I was going to kill myself, but then I decided to wait for book two to come out um, because I, I wanted to see how book two went. And then because it took so long to come out, I, you know, I ended up getting help and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm fine now. Book two was great. But um, but imagine getting a note like that from somebody. This is somebody who is trying to express that this book means a lot to them. But what they're doing is putting an unreal amount of pressure yeah. on an author, right? And that's it's not kind. It's not fair. So I, I brought up the listener or multiple listeners, I guess, uh, who have sent us 
similar notes, but that have a different angle that I really appreciate. Not once has anybody ever said, you know, or even insinuated, <clears throat> this is the only thing that keeps me going. The Legendarium podcast. P.S. That would be redonkadonk if that were the case. But um, Timestamp. Timestamp it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you, do you see my point? So there's, if if you're an author and you're getting a note from somebody who's like, oh, your book is terrible and I hated everything about it, you can kind of write that off and just say, eh, you know, different strokes for different folks or whatever. But if somebody emails you and says, book one was the greatest book I have ever read in my life. Can't wait for book two. What do you do with that? It's So I think people feeling such strong emotions over it and then having the ability to go out and share those even directly with the author um, has put so much pressure on him that of course it took him four years to publish book two and of course it's been seven years now that we've been waiting for book three because you know you're Kyle you're talking about how difficult it is to get a thousand words out um, you know well when you're talking about home security of course it's difficult but um, or you know I, I can't remember if it was you or Ryan earlier who was talking about the perfectionism involved mm -hmm. in in this sort of thing um, do you suppose that might have a little something to do with it? So I guess all I'm saying is that we should absolutely 100% be grateful for these books. I really enjoy both of these books so far, and I have very little doubt that I'll enjoy book three as well. Um, but gratitude can... A poison is determined by the dosage, right? right. And expressing so much gratitude can poison that relationship that you have with the community, but especially the author as well. Um, I don't know. Ryan's smirking. That much gratitude? Is that... I'm, I'm just trying to reconcile that a little bit because I, I, I agree with some of the sentiment on that, but okay, so, yeah. I wouldn't want to deter anyone from, from giving positive feedback or just saying, hey, I really liked your book or this like. That's right. what you should say. I really yeah. like these books. I recommend them to people. Um, these books, you could, you know, these books mean a lot to me. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to book three. But where it's like, I just, I, I'm, I'm just gonna hold off on killing myself because all I have to look forward to is the next King Killer book. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, uh, what is it? Um, my daughter was just diagnosed with leukemia and um, your books are the only thing that like kept us sane as we were going through this ordeal or like maybe that's a less good example, but you can see the <laughs> idea here of, of being so effusive with your praise that you're putting so much pressure on somebody who apparently, I mean, according to the note that we just got suffers from his own mental health issues and uh and has a perfectionist attitude and you know doesn't want to let anybody down it's gonna have negative repercussions so much positivity has negative repercussions i think it's also it comes down to one of those uh because i think the problem is maybe it's not a problem i don't know but uh people are so passionate about it because they genuinely enjoyed the book and so they, they get really upset that the next one's not there, right? That's the whole point that we're talking about. But, you know, from Rothfuss' perspective, you can look at that and say, 
I've done a really good job. These people are really passionate about my story. But the problem is, is that he wants to continue that. He knows that people have expectations. So he wants to have that perfect book. My thought would be, would you want him to publish it if it wasn't up to his standards? I mean, no, of course no not. well, right? I don't I I don't, I think the reason we love the story is because this is Rothfuss's standard of a decent story of what he thinks a story should be and how a story should be told. And I think that after two books of clearly there's a large fan base and people are very passionate about it. I think that he's earned that um trust to say Give us the story that you think is the story that should be told. Um, And I think that that's just where it should end. I think that if you are so upset that it's taking him so long to finish the story, then move on to other stories. And you do not have to purchase book three when it comes out. You don't have to buy any of his other works that he's working on. You don't have to support the TV show when it comes out. If that's how strongly you feel about it. The the frustration is that we're going to get book three eventually. And there will be a small number, but a very vocal number that will say, we waited this long for this mm-hmm. yeah. regardless. Oh yeah. Sure. And I, I agree. I agree that he's earned the right to everything, but I'm also trying to balance it out with the idea of painting the fingernails of the Sistine Chapel at a certain point. It's okay to let it go. And when is he going to feel comfortable enough with, to let it go? Like, this is to my standard, but ish. it it and then not even like a hard ish. Like, I would have liked to be able to do this more, but it's time to let this get out. Like, yeah. it when does that hit? Because I I'm 100% willing to give the author the time to make sure it fits what they want it to be. Because this is their story that they're telling, and their investment is far greater than any of ours, no matter how mm. much time and energy we put in, their investment is still greater because it's their livelihood. It literally is how they're paying their bills. It's everything. This matters. Um, but I want to know, especially with a perfectionist, when are you when done? See, when are you done working on the see, cuticles? I would, see, I would take it a step further though, because at this point, at this point, it's not about him paying his bills. He makes enough money to pay his bills. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. His, he was successful enough. There you go. Yeah. At this point, and especially this book, it is about his legacy. Okay. And you could argue mm-hmm. that he's hurt. He's hurting his legacy by taking the time and not releasing it in ten years you know, after it's been released. People aren't going to be talking quite as vehemently about how long it took. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I think it's a little bit different. It's a like because I agree with you. I think that there is a point where it's like, okay, this is maybe maybe I'm over editing it to the point where I'm actually hurting the story mm-hmm. or it's not really making a big enough impact if I'm changing right. this phrase or that phrase here. But it is, I think in, in Rothfuss's mind and it would be in mine, this is my legacy. This wraps up my story and we can talk about it's a prologue to the next one or whatever. This is going, this is going to be the King killer Chronicle from here until the end of time. And so you, he has to stick the landing and I just think that he can do it how he wants to. Yeah. Because like yeah. you said, in 10 years, people are going to forget. Right and now there's... right now with The Wheel of Time, unless you go back and talk to somebody who was waiting forever for books to come out and then Robert Jordan died and we didn't know that it was going to be finished, 
Somebody picking up the Wheel of Time right now for the first time has no idea that all that happened until they've read through the story and they go online and they dig into it a little bit for fun. You know what I mean? And so, like, the Wheel of Time is now this tome that that's what it is. So, I don't know. That's that's where I would land with Rothfuss is he's working on his legacy. Yeah. yeah. I, I could get on board with that. And there are lots of uh, theories out there <clears throat> with, you know, he's waiting for you. He's, he's strategizing and waiting for the TV show to come out. He's going to time it just right so that he can maximize his profits. And you know what? That might be true. I don't know. But I kind of feel like with some of those things, we start getting into like conspiracy theories and we can't possibly know what's going through his mind and, and all that stuff. We can, we can make our best guesses based on past quotes, but Mm -hmm. so far there hasn't been any solid indication as far as I've seen that any of the, you know, kind of the TV show conspiracy stuff is, uh, is holding water. What really happened was he's listening live to this. He found out that Chronicler is a Chandrian and he's gone. And now he's got to rewrite. Yeah, he's got to go rewrite half the book. <laughs> yep. Bella was a dark friend. Oh, square one. <laughs> ah. Okay, so we've been going for quite a little while now. Uh, I fear we've rambled a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But oh well. It's Sunday night. I and by we I mean I. So we're pretty much just, what I do. We're pretty much just like what we Par always for the do. Course. Yeah, what we always do. Uh, but I do want to cut us off there and uh, and say goodbye. For now, to the King Killer Chronicle, uh, we'll come back for another episode on the two short stories, um, similar to what we're going to be doing with New Spring. New, New Spring. Spring. Uh, New Spring is coming up, but we'll do that kind of thing. We'll come back at, at a later date for uh, some more King Killer stuff. But for now, here's what's going to happen if you are not following us on Reddit. First of all, shame on you. And second of all, uh, you may want to know what is coming up. Well, some exciting stuff is coming up because there are now two coming up lists. And you can go on Reddit and see both of those. In fact, I'm going to pull both of them. or I'm going to pull this list up now. Essentially, what we've done is we've uh, created two panels. Um, It's going to be myself, Craig, Ryan, and Kyle on one panel and then Todd, Ken and Megan on another. These will be the core panels and uh, myself and Ryan and Kyle, we're going to be reading Gentleman Bastard like I've already mentioned, Farseer, uh, just the first trilogy for now as far as I know. Um, and then New Spring will be coming up after that. <clears throat> were you about to say as Farseer as I know? No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay, you you no. had a you had a dad joke smirk on your face. No. Okay. Uh, and then Todd, Ken, and Megan will be reading Red Rising, The Dresden Files. Again, maybe the first three or so. I have a feeling those. that one will be one of those that's interspersed between other maybe. series. Um, but we'll we'll knock them out, though. And then Dune as well with yeah. the new reboot movie that's coming up with Denis Villeneuve. That one deserves I think uh, that's some treatment. Perfectly pronounced. <laughs> Sound like a dog with peanut butter on the roof of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that's what's coming up. If you wanted to know uh, what we have on the docket, uh, you can always go to thelegendarium.reddit.com to check on that. Uh, and I do want to say that the uh, the redditing for the last couple of weeks has been it's, off the charts. Yeah, it's awesome. been incredible. Uh, so much it's lit as it, the kids say af lit af lit af lit af <laughs> lit af 
um no it really is awesome there's there's a lot of threads that we are not starting which <laughs> there were few before now there are many i Until like I discover this. burner accounts yeah. Wu. oh my Josh gosh Wu. the great conspiracy speaking of conspiracy theories all right kyle was it you that floated this one he sure yes. did i I was so excited about it. So uh, you have 30 seconds. What's your conspiracy theory? Basically, Joff Wu, the Redditor that uh, started our Reddit thread, is Craig undercover. That's all that what, what it is. They slowly have built up this, you know, counter to Craig. And then after a while, they finally say, I agree with what Craig says. There's the whole back and forth with Ryan. There's... You know the general interest in the podcast. Yeah, whatever. Ryan and I, <laughs> totally Ryan and I, Craig. being natural nemeses. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a fi- finally, there's the coming together of like, oh, if I've set up Joff Wu as like this counter to Craig, if I come together on the Reddit thread and say, Craig, I agree with you, then people will be like, oh yeah, Craig's so good and Craig so carries right. so much weight That's with his not, opinions. Yeah. Nice try, <laughs> Craig. If that is your real name. <laughs> uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's obviously not true. Obviously yeah. not true. Spoken like a even... true Joff Wu. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even correctly pronounce Joff Wu. None of us can, apparently. According That's exactly to... what Joff Wu would say. That's exactly what Joff Wu did say. Um, anyway, <laughs> so thanks everybody for joining in on Reddit. And also a big shout out to our good friend Corey, who uh, I don't know if you guys knew this. Uh, graduated from divinity school and is now doing the priest oh, thing. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that message come through. Good for and so I just wanted to, you know, real quick say congratulations. Sorry uh, about blaming about calling God out for not writing a book recently. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call him Father Chains? I you know, I I would probably not. Okay. So much. Okay. If it were me. Personally since he listens to this podcast, I was hoping we could call him Shepherd Book, but you know. What? Uh Firefly. Come oh, on. Firefly. Firefly. Come on. Yeah, Come I watched on. I watched three of those. Watch uh, more. So anyway, okay. Now let's go. You're halfway done. <laughs> we've been, <laughs> exactly. We've been talking long enough. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll see you on Reddit. We'll see you on Facebook and Twitter and in Instagram. I didn't even say Instagram before, so I did miss one. Shit, and <laughs> <laughs> Timestamp. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs>